Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health, their food. What she discovered is that the way many dog foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true even for many premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. Reflecting on this, I decided to follow her advice, and I noticed profound changes in my own dogs. Enhanced energy, healthier skin, and an overall younger demeanor. It's truly heartwarming to see them so vibrant and full of life. Go to badlandsfood.com hometown and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D dot com slash hometown. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In the pages of world history, all nations have seen the rise and fall of dynasties, the evolution of ideas, and the breaking of barriers. From Margaret Thatcher in Britain, to Angela Merkel in Germany, Benazir Bhutto in Pakistan, to Jacinda Ardern in New Zealand, women have ascended to the highest seats of leadership, proving that capability isn't confined to gender. But there remains one exception to the world stage, the United States of America. A beacon of democracy and innovation, which for over two centuries has not placed a woman at its helm. And just when we thought it was an unwritten law in American politics, I'm going to share with you a forgotten story of a woman who might have changed that, Edith Galt. Was she truly America's first female president, hidden in plain sight? Today we journey into a story less told of a woman who may have shattered that glass ceiling long before anyone realized it. Welcome back to Hometown History, where today we're going to learn about possibly the very first, and so far the only, female U.S. President. The year is 1914. The United States, under the leadership of its 28th President, Woodrow Wilson, stands on the precipice of monumental global shifts. The world outside is a swirling mix of emerging challenges. The rumblings of the progressive era, 
the eruptions of the Mexican Revolution and the darkening clouds of the First World War. Wilson once the esteemed president of Princeton University, now sits in the Oval Office, steering the nation with a scholar's mind. Major legislative reforms, like the Federal Reserve Act, unfold under his watch, and a dream, the League of Nations, takes root in his heart. He envisions a world bound by cooperation, not conflict. But as the world turns, a shadow falls across the corridors of the White House. Ellen Wilson, the intellectual and emotional anchor in Woodrow's life, battles an intruder, Bright's disease. Every day, as the ailment tightens its grip, it drains the life of the First Lady and the country watches with bated breath as its leader faces an enemy he cannot negotiate with. August 6th arrives with a somber chill. The nation feels a collective heartbreak as Ellen, the artist, the mother, and the partner in Woodrow's political life takes her final bow. Grief blankets the White House. The nation is plunged into mourning. But not for long. Born in 1872 in Withville, Virginia, Edith Bolingolt was destined to live a life intertwined with power and politics. Although she wouldn't have known it from the start, The Bowlings were among Virginia's first settlers, and their lineage boasted Pocahontas, the Native American woman who played a pivotal role in early colonial relations. Edith grew up in an environment that blended the genteel traditions of the South with an undercurrent of resilience and independence. As a young woman, she married Norman Galt, a prominent Washington, D.C. jeweler, and for a time, life was steady, framed by the ebb and flow of societal engagements, business ventures. Edith's powerful and analytical mind was barely utilized as her husband flitted her from one party to the next. However, fate had far more in store for Edith Norman's untimely death in 1908 forced Edith to take over the jewelry business herself. She learned she had a knack for business, and Norman's legacy continued under her leadership. But this experience was only a stepping stone. In time, the two grieving souls, Edith Galt and President Woodrow, found their way to each other. Woodrow Wilson and Edith Galt's meeting is one of those intriguing tales that lends itself to the romantic chapters of American history. After the passing of his first wife, Wilson was consumed 
by a profound sorrow, leaving a void that many thought irreplaceable. But it was during this time of deep mourning that fate had plans to introduce him to Edith. Helen Woodrow Bones, a cousin of Wilson, and also his White House hostess, played the role of the inadvertent matchmaker. Aware of both Edith's recent widowhood and the loneliness enveloping the president, Helen likely saw similarities in their path, their grief, and their needs. Under the gentle push of familiar introductions, the two met. Perhaps it was the shared understanding of loss, or the immediate mutual respect of one another's intellect and strength. But what began as a casual introduction through a relative quickly transformed into a profound connection. Under the watchful eyes of Washington's elite and the nation at large, their bond grew rapidly. Wilson, smitten by Edith's intelligence, beauty, and spirit, began a courtship that was nothing short of ardent. Gifts, ranging from bouquets of flowers to beautifully pinned letters, became a testament to his growing affection. It wasn't long before their relationship blossomed, leading to a secret marriage in 1915. The year is 1916. The American political scene is a whirlwind of energy and anticipation. Wilson secures another term as president with the promise of keeping the nation out of the Great War, raging in Europe. By his side, not just as a supportive spouse, but as a formidable companion, is Edith his new bride. The corridors of power in Washington, D.C. buzz with whispers and side glances. Edith isn't just another first lady. She's at meetings, privy to the nation's most closely guarded secrets. Some advisors shift uneasy in their seats, casting wary glances as she filters the president's mail and takes classified documents to her desk. A few guards grumble about protocol, while others are simply astounded by her audacity. But Woodrow's trust in her is unwavering, and that seals her position. By and by, she assumes more responsibilities, much to the dislike of the rest of the world. The world's discomfort with Edith's power and position become obvious when she accompanies Woodrow to the pivotal 1919 Paris Peace Conference. While not an official delegate, she's no mere spectator either. As the world converges on Paris, seeking a balm for the fresh wounds of war that torn continents apart, The visitors also whisper about the attendance of the First Lady. Beneath the grandeur of Parisian chandeliers, 
Edith is a force to be reckoned with. Beyond the formalities and state dinners, she finds herself at the epicenter of intense discussions. Foreign leaders, once distant figures in newsreels, now sit across from her, engaging in dialogue. The charm of her personality, combined with an astute understanding of her husband's goals, makes her an invaluable player in these historic negotiations. The League of Nations was a beacon of hope in Wilson's vision, for a world weary of conflict finds one of its most ardent supporters in Edith. She sees it as a promise, a pact of peace for future generations. With every interaction, Edith champions this cause, striving to mold a world where nations converse rather than clash. But with influence comes scrutiny. Some find her audacity overreaching, an ambitious woman in a realm of men. Accusations are made of Edith meddling in affairs beyond her purview, but she remains unyielding. She's not here for titles or recognition. She's here as a partner, fulfilling her duty beside the president. As the ink dries on the treaties, and delegates return to their corners of the world, the legacy of the Paris Peace Conference takes place, and within its pages, standing tall among giants, is Edith Galt Wilson, a woman who, amidst the corridors of power and the shadows of war, carved a role that would be remembered long after the echoes of the conference faded. For a time, Edith held a position that became the envy of men and a ray of hope for American women. But her responsibilities would soon grow, something she may not have been ready for. As the smoke from the war begins to clear, a storm brews on the personal front. The year is 1919. Woodrow Wilson, now 58 years old, stands as a titan on the world stage. Fresh from the negotiations of the Treaty of Versailles, he has carved a path for America as a principal architect of peace in a world shattered by the Great War. But fate, with its whimsical designs, is about to pivot the course of history. October 2nd, inside the walls of the White House, calamity strikes. Wilson suffers a debilitating stroke, and the once eloquent statesman now grapples with fractured speech, robbed of his fluent articulation. His left side falls prey to paralysis, rendering him a mere shadow of the great leader he once was. His focus wanes, his decisions become questionable, and the vibrant president recedes into an isolated cocoon. The world outside remains completely oblivious 
to the magnitude of this crisis for weeks. The Grand White House, symbolizing transparent governance, now harbors its most grave secret. And at the helm of it all stands Edith Wilson, fiercely protective of the president's reputation. Alongside her is the steadfast admiral, Carrie Grayson, the president's physician, and together they stand as guards to anybody who wants an audience with the president. Together, they effectively create a shadow presidency. As Woodrow's condition renders him immobile, Edith steps out from the shadows and into the glaring spotlight of leadership. Inside the cabinet room of the White House sits its members, waiting silently for some news, any news, on how to move forward. By this point, they have hardly seen the president, and their concern is growing. The door swings open, revealing Edith Wilson, a vision of determination. The usually bustling room, the epicenter of political discourse, falls silent. The members of the cabinet, men used to the roar of political battles, find themselves in uncharted waters. They know the First Lady is about to drop a bomb they aren't prepared for. And she does. Edith announces that she will be acting on behalf of her husband from now on, stating he is in recovery and therefore needs time alone to fully recuperate. A murmur ripples through the room. Eyes dart between one another, each seeking validation for the unease they feel. The arrangement is unprecedented, unsettling. These men, leaders in their own right, are faced with a situation they never imagined, taking directives from the First Lady. But as the weight of Edith's words settles, a begrudging respect dawns. As much as they are out of their element, Edith is out of her element, too. Everyone is in uncharted territory. And the best thing to do is to work together to figure it out. With hesitation evident in their demeanor, they nod, signaling their reluctant agreement to navigate this political landscape with Edith at the helm. Throughout this time, the nation remains oblivious to the president's ailment. Not just politicians or emissaries, but even Wilson's doctors find themselves navigating through the First Lady's protocols. Every piece of correspondence meant for the president's desk first finds its way to Edith. She sifts through every letter each memo, making executive decisions on what require Woodrow's attention. Notes bearing the president's signature emerge from the White House, 
but the hand that signs them is Edith's. This isn't just about administrative duties. Edith dives deep into the political arena. She convenes with Wilson's advisors, not just as a listener, but as a shaper of policy, an influencer with a sharp political acumen. She builds bridges and sways opinions, ensuring they align with her vision, a vision she believes mirrors her husband's. But, as expected, her climb is not without the occasional fall. Voices rise in criticism, painting Edith as an ambitious usurper, a woman drunk on newfound power, taking advantage of the president's love and devotion for her. They claim she's not just steering the ship, but attempting to redefine its course, while a love-drunk president sits in the shadows. Despite these malicious rumors, Edith remains unwavering. She sees herself as the guardian of her husband's legacy, not its challenger. Whatever action she takes or decision she makes is in service to the man she loves and the nation she holds dear. In March of 1920, Wilson returns to the ceremonial corridors of power. But something is different. The cabinet members, the staff, and the world can see that the once dynamic leader is irrevocably altered. And yet Edith continues to fight for him. By now, no matter how hard she fights, the world knows something is wrong. An era is coming to an end. Woodrow Wilson, once a beacon of leadership, announces his monumental decision not to run for a third term. The Democratic Party scrambling to find a worthy successor, places their hopes on James M. Cox. But the winds of change are blowing. The nation turns its eye to Republican Warren G. Harding, ushering him into the highest office. The Republicans also seize control of Congress, leaving the Democrats in their shadow. As a civil war ensues inside the walls of the White House, a cold winter descends, and the president suffers stroke after stroke, chaining him to his bed. Edith, ever the sentinel, stands guard, shielding her ailing husband from the pressures of governance, controlling access and information flow. But in 1922, his legacy, the thing Woodrow worked so hard for, begins to unravel. In the hollow chambers of the Senate, the Treaty of Versailles stood as a beacon of hope for a post-war world, a testament to President Wilson's vision of a new global order. But this very foundation 
would soon be rocked by waves of concern and criticism. The shadow of the Great War lingered, casting doubts over the American psyche. With memories of war still fresh, there was a fervent desire to retreat within the nation's borders, to find solace away from the chaos of international affairs. This sentiment gave rise to a strong isolationist stance, with many opposing the League of Nations, fearing it would drag the U.S. into future global conflicts. At the heart of the debate was the League Covenant's Article 10, which promised that member states would rally to defend any member under attack. To many senators, this was more than a commitment. It represented a direct infringement on American sovereignty, tying the nation's fate to wars it never chose to be part of. Into this heated argument stepped Senator Henry Lodge, who proposed a series of reservations aimed at diluting the treaty's potency. He wanted to reshape the League to fit American sensibilities better. But Wilson, unyielding in his conviction, refused any alterations. The disagreement between the President's ideals and Lodge's approach only grew, with the Senate skeptical of the treaty's worth without Lodge's modifications. Compounding the dilemma was Wilson's illness. The stroke he suffered in 1919 diminished his once powerful grasp over leadership, rendering him less capable of steering Senate negotiations. And it seemed Edith's influence just wasn't enough to keep it going. The gavel falls, and the Senate rejects the treaty. By 1923, time seems to be running out. Wilson's health, which was slowly declining, now nosedives. Another stroke renders him partially paralyzed, robbing him of speech. For almost a year, there is a mournful, sick silence in the halls of the White House. It finally breaks on February 3rd. 1924, with the death of Wilson at age 67. In the vast tapestry of American history, there are luminaries who shine brightly. Their stories pass down through generations. And then there are unsung heroes, like Edith Wilson, who despite their pivotal roles, often remain in the shadows. She wasn't just the First Lady. In many respects, she took on the mantle of the presidency itself, maneuvering through the corridors of power with an unwavering determination to uphold her husband's legacy. Yet, today her story is just a footnote in history. It's a remarkable testament to Edith's tenacity that during one of America's most trying times, she managed to not only safeguard the presidency, but also gain the trust and respect of Woodrow Wilson's advisors. 
These men, who were conditioned to hold power and engage in the cutthroat world of politics, suddenly found themselves leaning on Edith's judgment. How did she achieve this? It wasn't just her proximity to the president, but her innate ability to navigate complex political waters, to discern and act upon what was truly essential. Her dedication, combined with a keen political instinct, made her indispensable to the White House. As always, thank you for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.